I go into the introduction and set up for this episode, for those of you who've taken the time to leave a review, thank you so much. I'm really glad you're getting a lot out of All About Fitness. For those of you who haven't left a review, please do so. You know how this works. The more reviews we get, the higher up in the search rankings we go, and the more people can find about the benefits of All About Fitness. Now, for this episode, I don't have just one guest. I have a number of different guests for you. What I did this time, before when I've brought you like these from the field, it's usually when I've been working at an event. You know, I get paid to go to various fitness events and I speak, I teach education workshops. But there's sometimes I like to go and just attend and participate. And that's what I did this weekend. This past weekend, it was it was a Perform Better Functional Training Summit in Long Beach, California. Now, Perform Better is a company that sells fitness products. They don't sell just one type of product. They are a distributor. So Perform Better sells everything from little rubber bands that you wear around your ankles all the way up to the heavy equipment, weightlifting platforms, and indoor turf. So for more than 20 years, Perform Better has put on these educational workshops because they know the more education, the more information they give to trainers, the more information and the more ability trainers have to help clients like yourself. So at these conferences or at these summits, they bring in a number of top speakers. And a lot of speakers you're going to hear from today are people that have their own books out. They have their own training systems out. These are people that do the research. You have a couple professional coaches, people who coach and train those athletes that get paid a lot of money for playing the sport. So on this episode of All About Fitness, it's really a lot of fun. I catch up with a number of different speakers. I speak with Greg Cook. Greg Cook invented the, not invented, but Greg Cook is one of the creators of the functional movement screen, which can identify if you have any mobility or stability issues. And that could be a cause for injury. So Greg and I talk a little bit about potential causes for injury and what you can do to avoid that with your training program. I speak with Molly Galbraith. Molly is the founder of Girls Gone Strong. Brandon Marcello is a PhD researcher who's an expert in the field of recovery science. Todd Wright is a strength coach for the Philadelphia 76ers. And you recently heard me catch up with Dan McDonough. Dan McDonough works for Under Armour, but he was here at this event too, just like I was, participating and taking the workshops. After a brief word from the sponsors of All About Fitness, it's really a lot of fun on this episode. It's coming from the field. The audio might be a little bit off. That's because I was trying to catch these speakers and to all the speakers to Gray, to Molly, to Todd, to Brandon. Thank you so much to Chris. Thank you so much for giving me a little bit of your time. I really appreciate it. To Dan, I know what it's like. You're on your feet all day, and especially to Gray. You have to understand, Gray Cook was mobbed. He, he taught these huge workshops of a couple hundred people. Afterwards, he was asking a lot of questions, and Gray still gave me a few minutes of his time after teaching those workshops. That is tough to do for a speaker. So, Gray, thank you very much. On this episode of All About Fitness, it is live from the Perform Better Functional Training Summit in Long Beach, California. Lower body strength, upper body strength, core strength, metabolic conditioning, mobility. You can do it all with the TerraCore. Go to www.terracorefitness.com. That's TerraCoreFitness.com, or go to Instagram and check out TerraCoreFitness on Instagram. The link's going to be below in the show notes. TerraCore is turning heads. See why Men's Health voted it one of the top fitness products that you should have for your home fitness studio. www.terracorefitness.com. Use code AAF to save 25%. That's 25% on the purchase of a TerraCore. Can 
throw them, you can lift them, you can carry them, you can swing them, you can do all types of strength training, mobility training, metabolic conditioning. What am I talking about? Soft bells and sand bells. Sand bells are neoprene discs filled with sand. They're like medicine balls, but they are easier to grip, much more comfortable to grip. If you're like me and you're starting to feel some issues in your hands and wrists and you want to grip something heavy and you want to be able to use it with comfort, go take a look at Sandbells. I love using my Sandbells. I love advertising these guys because they're one of my products. They're one of my go-to at-home strength training products. Go to hyperware.com. Sandbells are like medicine balls. You can pick them up. You can throw them. You can do a lot of things with them. Softbells are like are Sandbells, but you can use handles. You can turn Softbells into dumbbells, barbells, and kettlebells. There's a reason why I selected sandbells for my book, Smarter Workouts, The Science of Exercise Made Simple. That's because they work. <laughs> Very simply put, go to hyperware.com. That's H-Y-P-E-R-Ware.com and use code AAF10 to save 10% on the purchase of any Hyperware product. The first person you're going to hear from in this podcast is Coach Todd Wright. Now, recently, I did a full interview with Coach Wright. I'm going to have a link to that below in the show notes. But Coach Wright is a strength coach for the Philadelphia 76ers. And he was at, at Perform Better talking about training the fascial network. And you're going to hear him describe the fascial network a little bit. And if you want to learn more about it, definitely take the time to listen to the full interview, which I'll have below. But you can go back in a previous episodes of All About Fitness, where I interviewed Thomas Myers, Sue Hitzman, Rodney Korn, where we talk a lot about the difference. Fascia is different than muscle tissue. And what Todd does with his athletes, what Todd does with the Philadelphia 76ers, is he tries to help them become more injury resistant by training the fascia as well as the muscle. So if you want to learn more about this, check below in the show notes. But here we go with Coach Todd Wright of the Philadelphia 76ers. What were you talking about today? Uh, I talked about uh, the concept of fascia in training. And, uh, just what it is and why it matters. And what's the tool that you're you're promoting, that Viper Pro? And the reason why I asked that is the last time I did the, one of these like round tables, I spoke to Michal, the inventor of it. As a strength coach, how do you use the Viper Pro? Yeah, no, we, we use it quite a bit in our program. I think it's a real versatile tool for three-dimensional three loaded movements, so the ability to do a lot of different vector training. Um, but I use it also as uh, for points of stability in my in my flexibility and mobility system. Um, and then a lot of the components that Michel teaches in, uh, in the dead shifts and the tilts and um, the ability to stretch the fascia uh, under tension outside the center of gravity, I've, I just think it's a great tool. And now that's, to me, I can kind of understand that. <laughs> and I know we know both the same thing, but I think what the cool thing about that is, what's the most important thing for you as a strength coach? As a strength coach of a professional basketball team, what is your primary job? My primary job is to keep my guys playing. And keep your guys healthy and playing, right? Healthy and playing. So, available for play. And, and so to do that, when you do programs, because I think I think the regular average consumer thinks pro athletes like train all the way. They train as hard as possible. When you think about getting somebody ready for a season, for the NBA season, what's your primary concern? Like, it's not how hard they work, but what are you trying to do? Well, it's very individualistic. You know, we, we break our guys up into three different groups. The guys that really play a lot, the five guys that play a lot. You know, can we keep their fascial system hydrated and, and strong through all this multi-planar movement? And then we have a middle group that might play 10 to 20 minutes. We can train them a little bit harder and with maybe a little bit more traditional strength training. And then we have our development group that uh, can get the mosh of all three components of the training. 
And if people wanted to train, if people wanted to be injury-free, like your athletes, like the players in the 76ers, where could they get some information about like kind of what you're doing? Do you have an Instagram channel that you put information up on, or do you have any like hints out there that you put out there? I do. I, I have an Instagram uh, channel that's been open for a couple years. I haven't posted in a while, but there's a lot of good information on it. It's uh, Todd Wright underscore Coach, um, and it's m- mostly educational stuff, and then some cool pictures of my family who I love. But uh, I have that, and then I just recently did a chapter in a book, uh, Fascia Training by Bill Parisi put out and uh, I did a chapter in that that explains how I stumbled on to the concept of fashion, how it's really relevant in training. And so as a coach, you really, when you think about your programs, you're not just thinking about the muscle strength, but you're thinking about the fascia strength. And what can the average person do? What's one thing the listener right now could do for their fascia that might that might make a difference? Um, the, well, the fascia is it's, it's, it's an omnidirectional net. It's a connective tissue that runs from your feet all the way through to your body that um, encompasses all your muscles and bones. And, but it's very net-like. It's omnidirectional. It moves in every different direction. And when you stress the net um, in a particular direction, it lays down lines of collagen in it to create more reinforcement. So my what I would say is move with variability. Move with as much variability to lay down lines and reinforcement in this fascia net um, that can help support and coordinate your movement better. And now, I think that's awesome. And for listeners, I have a full interview with Todd. Todd, I'm going to have that link to below in the show notes. So, hey, I appreciate your time, and thanks for being in Southern California, bud. Cool. Thanks, Peter. Appreciate you, man. So the link to the full interview I did with Todd uh, a few months ago is going to be down below in the show notes so you can hear how he applies that methodology of training to elite-level athletes. Now, the next interview you're going to hear is with Brandon Marcello, Ph.D. Brandon has his Ph.D. from Baylor University. He is a well-known expert in the field of recovery, but he's been, he's been used by various organizations like Military Special Forces, United States Olympic Committee. And Brandon is one of the people who helped Mark Verstegen found Athletes Performance or create Athletes Performance, which has eventually become Exos. So what you're going to hear is Brandon talking about the science of recovery. That's gotten a lot of attention lately. And this is a very important little clip where Brandon shares some very important little nuggets about recovery and why you should take it so seriously. Because what we know, you can only train as hard as you can recover. Here we are, Brandon Marcello, PhD. Speaking with Brandon Marcello, Brandon, you said today that you prefer the term under recovery as opposed to overtraining. Why? Why would you? Why would you frame it that way? Well, I don't think overtraining exists. Uh, I think too many times people think that the reason why somebody is not adapting well is because there's too much training. Um, when in actuality, there's just not enough recovery to offset the effects of training. So, so the example that I used in the talk was sleep. So if you have two DNA identical athletes both training 20 hours of sleep at the same volumes, intensities, densities, loads, and frequencies, but one gets 56 hours of sleep, the other one gets 30 hours of sleep, the one that got the lesser amount of sleep all of a sudden has an undesirable adaptation to training. It wasn't because this individual trained too much, it was because this individual didn't have enough recovery on their plate. And what is, and you made the point that sleep is one of the most effective re, you know, forms of recovery, but why has there been, I mean, it's been like the last three to five years, there's been this huge push on recovery. Why do you think that that's been the case? Well, in terms of sleep or just in terms of recovery? In general, in general? just in general recovery, yeah. Well, I, I think people are now paying attention to it, that more is not necessarily better, and that if we can get ourselves back to a, a place where we can accept training, then we can have a better quality workout a, and see desirable results in a quicker amount of time. 
And what is, you know, I'm going to ask listeners, and this is for the general consumer audience, listeners may not understand this, can you give a brief description of the parasympathetic nervous system and why that's so important in terms of balancing out what we do during exercise? Sure. So we have the autonomic nervous system, which is also called the automatic nervous system. You know, it runs heart rate, uh, digestion, those types of things that work behind the scene, behind the curtain. And there are two divisions of that autonomic nervous system. You have the sympathetic, which is the excitatory fight or flight. If somebody scares you, you feel your sympathetic nervous system activate. You know, your, your heart rate immediately increases, your pupils dilate. Uh, you may get a pit in your stomach because all of a sudden your blood pulls away from there to go to working muscles. So you can either run or you can fight. And then you have the parasympathetic side, which is like the rest and digest, kind of what we're doing here right now. <laughs> Hanging out, there's no threat. Um, we're just very relaxing. And when we become imbalanced or more sympathetically driven, we're stuck in that fight or flight, we can see a whole cascade of undesirable physiological effects. And now that just doesn't happen from exercise, right? Because other, other life stressors can trigger the sympathetic overdrive, correct? 100%. Uh, you know, you can have a divorce, you could lose your job, you could uh, have an unexpected bill, um, you could stub your toe. Right? You could just have a lot of stress at work or academics or whatever it might be. Really, any Your ability to metabolize stress or not metabolize stress, if you will, will dictate how long you stay in that sympathetic state. Now, what's an easy way? For, for listeners out there, what's an easy way they can start monitoring their recovery and whether or not they should either take a rest day or lower their training load? Is there anything like the average person can do that doesn't require like $800 worth of electronic equipment? Is there like an easy little thing they can do on a regular basis to identify whether or not they should train hard that day or just take it easy? Well, I think one of the things you can do is just start monitoring your heart rate. Uh, you know, get a good quality heart rate monitor, not just the typical Apple Watch or something like that. And just start to pay attention to your resting heart rate on a daily basis. And what you'll find is that if you start seeing some changes, um, and when you don't feel well, what you see is kind of a rise in your heart rate, resting heart rate. Um, and then you, when you feel better, you'll actually see a, a decrease in your resting heart rate. So that's just one easy way for really anybody in the general population, general consumer, kind of start to keep mind. And then last thing, I just want to, because I know detox is a very popular term right now, right? And what I, what I like to point out is if people want to detox, what's one of the best ways to detox? It's sleep, right? They don't need to go out and buy all these potions, buy all these little drinks and these, these things, right? What, simply detox would be what? More hydration and more sleep? More hydration, more sleep. I mean, you have a liver, which does a great job at detoxification. You know, there are some examples for people that maybe work around fuels or different environments, right, that, that require a little bit more supplementation. Um, because of the environment in which they work. But for the general person, eating well, hydrating, and sleeping, you're going to be setting yourself up for success. So you don't need to spend $500 for that detox kit. I just want to make sure that people it's understand. Cayenne that. pepper, maple syrup, and those types of concoctions, you don't have to worry about. And then finally, where can people get more information about you, Brandon? Because you speak a lot. You, I know you write a lot about recovery. You do the research. If people want more information about the type of information you promote or about recovery, where can they find it? Um, well, I have social media. So I'm on Twitter. Um, that's the best place. BMarcello13. My website is brandonmarcellophd.com. I have a bunch of information on there. They can also get a hold of me directly and ask specific questions if need be. All right. Awesome. Thanks for your time, Brandon. Great to chat. Brandon's talk on recovery was really... It was very eye-opening. I mean, it's a subject I care greatly about because, as I said, you know, we can only – our training is limited by how hard we recover, and especially as you start getting into your 40s and 50s. You can still train hard. You know, just because you're getting another year older or we're all getting a little bit older doesn't mean that we can't train the way we want to train. 
But what it does mean is we have to be very mindful about what we do after we exercise because it's after we exercise when the adaptations take place. That's why anytime I get a chance to sit down and hear somebody like Brandon speak, I love doing that because I can always pick up a little bit more information. I can always pick up a few more nuggets about how our body adapts to the stresses of exercise. For this next interview is a lot of fun to catch up with her, and, and I gave her a little bit of a hard time because I, I have been trying to schedule a second interview with her, but the first time I interviewed Molly, we hadn't met, and this was our first time that we met in person, and I really, I'm a big fan of Molly, and I'm a big fan of the community and the movement that she's been very instrumental in raising awareness from. Now, Molly, you, you may or may not be familiar with Molly Galbraith. Molly did something a few years ago where she literally broke the internet by posting a picture of a bikini. If you want to hear that full story about how Molly broke the internet and ended up, I think it was on Ellen's talk show, um, how she ended up being you know, featured on Ellen's talk show for wearing a bikini, please check below in the show notes because I have a full interview with Molly from a little while back about where she goes into how she got started with Girls Gone Strong. But what I wanted to do is catch up with Molly because she's been a leader in the area of body acceptance. She's been a leader in the area of promoting strength training for women. And she was at the conference talking about that. And she also has, she's been very instrumental. She's created education now to meet the need of women who want to do more strength training. So that's exactly what we discussed. Here we are, Molly Galbraith from Girls Gone Strong. I'm here with Molly Galbraith at the, at the Perform Better Functional Training Institute. I said your name right, but I, also mess, I almost messed up Perform Better. Molly, how are you doing? I'm doing Thank you so much for having me. It was awesome to meet you in person, finally. I know. It's finally. I've been, been stalking you a little bit on, on social media, <laughs> and you are a guest before previously. But what are, you, what are you talking about here at the Perform Better Summit? Yeah, absolutely. So my talk uh, and my hands-on was called A Woman's Worth, How to Help Female Clients Improve Their Body Image. And why is that? The thing is, having been in the fitness industry for so long, we know that's one of the biggest issues you know, for both men and women. But what were you addressing? Like, what were you specifically were you addressing in body image? Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of times when people think about body image, they're thinking about the way women feel about how they look. And that is certainly an important part of the body image conversation. But I want to expand people's perception of body image. And so what I talk about in my presentation is that women's body image is actually affected by a number of factors. And so one is whether or not they feel safe in their body. One is whether or not they feel comfortable in their body. We talk about whether they feel strong and capable, whether they feel resilient, and whether they feel ownership or autonomy. So I can dive into each of those a little bit more. Well, I was going to ask about that is let's, let's, com let's combine like safe and strong. Mm -hmm. Like, what do you mean by feeling safe within your body? And, yeah. and I ask because I have two daughters. Yeah, and so this is, I, this is now for listeners, just so you know, I'm trying to get a little information mm -hmm. for myself. But so what do you mean by, by safe and strong yeah. within their body? Yeah, absolutely. So 30% of women will experience intimate partner violence, otherwise known as domestic violence, at oh, wow. some point in their life. 30. 81% um, of women in the U.S. report experiencing street harassment, and that number is as high as 98% in other countries. And 35% of women globally are survivors of sexual assault. And that number is probably even higher. It just goes vastly underreported. So you can imagine how women having those experiences in their bodies are going to affect and inform their perception of their not only of their own body and their worth and their value, uh, but also of their interaction with their trainer, particularly if they're working with a male trainer. And then when you think of the concept of strength and capability, so many women grow up thinking that strength is not a you know not a, a, a feminine trait. Um, that it's for guys, right? And I think that like I can't 
tell you how many clients, like, I don't know how many women you train, but how often you have to encourage them to use more weight in the gym, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. You're like, yeah, you could, listeners couldn't see my eye roll. <laughs> yeah, exactly, because they underestimate their capability. So, so many women grow up underestimating their strength, underestimating their capability, not thinking that strength is something that, you know, women should uh, strive for or achieve or that it's even possible for them. And then, again, same thing with comfort and resilience. Like, do they have physical pain? I was talking to one of the other presenters here today. He has a 16-year-old daughter who's an incredible athlete, and he said ever since she started getting her period about a year ago, she's in immense pain every time uh, that time of the month comes. So they have to time, like, her athletic events based around that. And I think there's a chance she might have, I mean, I don't want to diagnose her, but, you know, maybe endometriosis or painful periods. Like, women have all of these experiences in their body that really affects and informs their perception. You know, they think they might be weak or incapable or, again, unsafe or unstable. Um, and then when it comes to ownership and autonomy, a lot of women grow up in households where what they say, what they do, what they wear, what they eat is really closely policed by their parents. Um, and then once women become mothers, oftentimes uh, once they get pregnant, a lot of people forget about the mom and it's all about the baby. And then once they're, you know, deliver the baby and if they're breastfeeding or something, they feel like they're just a milk machine, not even like a human being anymore. And so same thing. I don't know how many, how many women you work with who have expressed guilt around uh, spending time away from their kids. Yeah, that's one thing they hear quite a bit is they feel guilty leaving mm-hmm. and taking the time for themselves. Yeah, and so you think about it, right? They're like, well, I, you know, I don't want to take time for myself away from my kids because I feel guilty about that. And so then the reaction most of the time is the oxygen mask analogy. Like you have to take care of yourself before you can take care of others. But when you dissect that, we're still telling her she should only take care of herself so that she can take care of others because her body is supposed to be in service of others. You never hear guys say, I'm going to go to the gym and bench on Monday because it makes me a better husband and father. It just doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that enters. I don't think that enters the, uh, the male brain. I mean, yeah. to, be, to be honest, it's a slightly different. Thing. Yeah, so all of this informs women's perceptions of like, are they deserving of their own self-care? Can they actually be strong? Are they going to be safe if they go in the gym? And then when you add all of these other layers of, you know, people in larger bodies or older people, you know, like, are they going to feel safe? Are they going to feel welcome in the gym? Do they feel like being fit and healthy is even within their capability or within a possibility for them? Because we have a really narrow definition of what fit is supposed to look like. So there's... um body image for women and certainly men have body image issues as well but yeah, there's but, but your focus here you, you, your girl's gone strong yes. there's enough but, out there for guys yeah yeah and here's the thing there's something inherently different about men being expected to be bigger stronger faster more powerful and women being expected to be smaller leaner weaker quieter you know so so yes um there's just something inherently different about those things so as you can see body image is a much more complex topic than just how do i think about how i look which is also a layer of it as well i wouldn't have even thought about all the layers of psychology in terms of family interaction now the second thing i want to ask about that is related to strong and you talk you just talked about that a lot of people that you deal with, a lot of women out there, are somewhat fearful of weightlifting. And that's mm-hmm. changed a lot in the last mm-hmm. decade, yes. and you've had a big role in that. I mean, uh, you and your community you. have played a very important role in mm-hmm. that. But strong muscles don't necessarily mean big muscles, right? right. Mm-hmm. Especially for women. So, talk. What's the difference between that? Because I think a lot of women out there are afraid of lifting weights because they think overnight they're going to mm-hmm. sprout these huge muscles. Yeah. But that doesn't necessarily happen, does it? No, it doesn't necessarily happen. Um, but it, again, it's that education piece for kind of the layperson or fitness enthusiast who isn't in the industry. Um, so whenever a woman expresses concern over getting big and bulky, so for many years, people, and myself included, I would, 
roll my eyes and be like, this is so ridiculous, you're not going to get big and bulky. But what I was missing was the autonomy piece for her, because I don't know what big and bulky looks like to her. So in 2009, I believe it was Lee Peel did a, a survey, and it was the, the whole article was all about women getting big and bulky, and she surveyed a number of women, and the majority of women found Jessica Beal to be bulky. Oh, so wow. here's the thing. Now, this again, this was. I would say she never was. I mean, <laughs> that's going back in memory, but from yeah, what I remember, I don't. Yeah. yeah. But she, but she was slightly muscled, right? And so um, that was ten years ago. I'd say the perception of like you know from Instagram fitness models and things like that. I'd say the perception of like muscle and muscular women has probably changed a bit over the last ten years. But the thing is, is like if a woman feels like that looks bulky, well, that's her choice. She gets to decide what she wants for her body. However, there is an education piece for women um, in helping them understand that the muscle gain doesn't happen overnight um, it particularly doesn't happen immediately because generally you get more neural strength gains in the beginning when you start strength training so you're not getting the hypertrophy and the muscle gain um, and also that nutrition has a lot to do with it so if they're interested in getting stronger uh, even interested in adding a bit of muscle but they don't really want their body size to change or even want their body size to get smaller nutrition plays a big role in that and it's very possible strength and hypertrophy so muscle gain are correlated but they don't you don't have to gain uh, more muscle to get stronger there are other ways that you can get stronger without gaining a significant amount of muscle. And that's an important thing for women to realize. Now, finally, I want to respect your time here. Yeah. And for listeners, I did a full interview with Molly where, where you did a phenomenal job. I mean, we go and we went deep into like your background and, mm-hmm. and how your bikini broke the internet. Yes, yeah, so I don't want to go into that. You know, but it's a great story, and I Thank love that you. story. But what is the Girls Gone Strong community? Yeah, absolutely. So we started eight years ago, again, with uh, the idea that women should strength train. We wanted to preach the gospel of strength training to women. In 2019, we say women should actually do whatever they want with their bodies, but we hope they strength train because we think it's such a great option. Um, So that autonomy piece has become such a big part of what we do. But Girls Gone Strong has evolved over the years into an education company. We educate women and health and fitness professionals who work with women on all topics related to women's health. So we cover strength training, nutrition, mental health, sexual health, pre and postnatal health, um, and more. And we have free articles, we've got workout programs for women, but our two uh, big things that we've released in the last couple of years are our certifications for health and fitness professionals. And now you do, because you do a pre and postnatal certification, and, and what is the Girls Gone Strong? You also do another, what are the two certifications? Yeah, absolutely. So we have one called Girls Gone Strong Level 1, and it covers coaching, psychology, female anatomy and physiology, nutrition, exercise, rest, recovery, and programming across an adult woman's lifespan. And then we have our pre and postnatal coaching certification, which covers coaching, psychology, how female anatomy and physiology changes during pregnancy and after pregnancy. We cover nutrition, exercise, the birth process, recovery, rest, and programming for specific to pre and postnatal women. And now, it, that information education isn't just available for fitness professionals, but can anybody, can anybody who wants to learn more about, especially any woman who wants to learn more about strength training or who wants to learn more about training, you know, during their pregnancy or immediately post, you know, is it is it is your information written for them or is it written specifically for fitness professionals? That's such a great question. So we have options for who we would consider to be a fitness enthusiast and then also for professionals. So we have uh, two programs that are geared oh, cool. more towards women who want to learn more for themselves and one is called Get Results and it's a series of four programs, Get Strong, Get Jacked, Get Lean, Get Started. So it's strength, like hypertrophy, fat loss and for people who are new to exercise. And then we have Moms Gone Strong, which is a prenatal and postnatal program that includes uh, 90 weeks 
exclusive programming for women who are trying to conceive wow. pregnant and postpartum. So it carries them all the way through that. And then for health and fitness professionals, we have the Girl Scout Strong Level 1 certification and our pre and post coaching certification. So you've, I really, that's a pretty comprehensive thing. Yeah, no wonder I can't get a hold of you. <laughs> no wonder I can't get a hold of you for a follow-up interview. Where can people get more information about what you're doing, about what the community's doing, or if they're, if they're interested in that education, Molly, where'd they go to get that? Absolutely. So uh, the best place to learn more about the certifications is academy.girlsgonestrong.com. For health and fitness professionals, we really recommend, if they're on Facebook, that they join our free closed Facebook group for health and fitness professionals. It's called GGS Coaching and Training Women. They can request to join. It's totally free. We pay uh, world-class women's health experts. In fact, the, the curriculum developers for our certification who are PhDs in molecular biology and psychology and pelvic health physiotherapists and strength and conditioning coaches and doulas and we pay them to be in the group answering questions um, and then there's 25,000 other incredible health wow. and fitness professionals who are interested in learning more about coaching and training women who are in that group it's a really safe supportive welcoming place to ask questions we have a lot of guys that are like I've got a question I'm not quite sure how to ask it but it you know it, it pertains to my you know female client and like well, you know, whatever. So they're, they're in there asking questions. It's, it's a great place to get free information. Um, so that's a fantastic group to join. Again, totally free. You have access to all of our experts. Um, then if you want to learn more about the certifications, it's academy.girlsgunstrong.com. And then... Now, we're, sorry, I want to cut in real quick. Yeah. You're, it's not just for, for women. I mean, if, for male, if males want to learn more about it, too, if I'm a yeah. male trainer, too, yeah. I just want to make that point. I don't want yes. people I don't want people to think Girls Gone Strong, yes. and they're like, oh, my God, I don't need you. So yes. I want to make that point, right? Totally, yep. In our free Facebook group is for folks of all genders, so anybody's welcome to join that group. Um, yeah, and then, again, we've got tons of great information on our website, so if they want to learn more, they can go to girlsgunstrong.com. That's where we've got a bunch of articles and free courses and such. Um, we're getting ready to overhaul our website a little bit but truly you can google girls gone strong and almost any topic and find articles and resources uh, that we have for free online so. well molly i really appreciate it's finally nice to meet you in I person know, you and too. i really appreciate the influence you're having on our industry uh, so thank, thank you. you for that thank you so much i appreciate you giving me a voice and having me on your podcast and i would definitely love to be back when we could do a longer episode one. we will definitely do that right, thank take you take care that's such an important topic to me. You know, as I talk about and I share with Molly, I have two daughters. So, and I want my daughters to grow up with options to do whatever it is they want to do, whether that's, you know, fitness related, exercise related, whatever it is. So I love seeing how women are breaking barriers and saying, I'm going to do things differently, especially with recently, you know, we had Megan Rapino and, and the women of the, of the U.S. Women's National Team. You know, frankly, I love that swagger. They got, you know, they got some, you know, they got some pushback from some people who said maybe they celebrated too much. Forget that. These women were kicking butt. You know, these women are doing things that other people haven't done at the level of international sport. So why shouldn't they be out there a little swagger? Why shouldn't they be out there celebrating? If you don't like the way they celebrate, beat them. <laughs> anyway, that's why I'm a big fan of, of people like Molly who are doing a lot to pro try to promote the benefits of strength training for women because the benefits aren't only you know, in terms of appearance or, or anything like that. But as you heard Molly talk about, it's confidence, and it's that type of confidence that's so important. Now, for the next guest, I already sang his praises in the introduction. If you're a fan of the NFL, you can thank Greg Cook for really changing the way that the NFL is played, or, or changing the way that NFL athletes are maybe addressed in the offseason. 
Gray created something called the Functional Movement Screen. I'm going to have a link below to that in the show notes. Again, Gray is somebody I've interviewed previously. So what I wanted to do by catching up with some of these some of these people at Perform Better was these are some people I've interviewed in previous episodes of All About Fitness. What I wanted to do is if you're a new listener of All About Fitness is I wanted to introduce you to who they are and then have a link below to their previous interview. Gray is extremely important. Gray has a background as a physical therapist and a strength and conditioning coach. Gray created something called the functional movement screen, which can identify how your body moves and whether or not you need more mobility or more more stability. Because if you don't have mobility, you could be at a higher risk for injury. Or if your body doesn't produce the stability it needs for certain movement patterns, again, you could be at an increased risk of injury. So on this brief snippet, Gray Cook, the developer, one of the developers of the functional movement screen, along with Lee Burton, Gray took, talks a little bit about how you can stay injury-free. Check below in the show notes for the interview, the full interview, the full-length interview with Gray Cook. Gray's a physical therapist. The question I have, Gray, for my audience, how does injury affect movement? Oh my gosh. Well, the first piece of research that we ever were involved with really went right at pain and movement because we come from a culture that says no pain, no gain. And I think that used to mean no muscle soreness, no muscle growth, but joint pain is completely different. And any type of pain that movement stirs up actually creates a response that's both inconsistent and unpredictable, which means that's a bad educational environment. So we always say don't bring a healthcare problem to fitness and expect a convenient solution. So a lot of times, just identifying what movements hurt and then helping the client map that out. If they need a referral, we want the trainer to facilitate that. You know, and if they have to work around it, we want you to know the program they do so. And, and that's uh, for listeners. I want them to understand that if they, if they, even they roll an ankle, if they sleep on their shoulder wrong, and they try to work through that. Trying to work through pain, how bad? Like how bad is that? To try to like, if you go into the gym, you're thinking, oh, you know, it's not that bad. I can work through it. Why should we? Why should we really listen to, to what our body is telling us? We need to because that's the way your body communicates with you when stuff is in disharmony. It's basically an imbalance or disharmony. That's what we're gonna do. Yeah. Thanks. So it's a signal that modern society allows us to cover up, but our ancestors didn't have that. They had to listen to pain, work around it, and you know Aristotle said pain is life's greatest teacher, but uh, education is supposed to come in front of most of that pain and, and, and tell us. So educating your clients and letting them know when something's probably gonna get worse, not better, because a few well-placed correctives and stretches can make pain go away very, very quickly, and we found out that was just some soreness or some stiffness, or the same move can actually exacerbate things. And when you're doing that and it's getting worse, that pretty much means any fitness load is gonna make it worse. And so look for physical therapists and chiropractors that also have a fitness credential, like a movement screen or something like that, so they can see what you're seeing, but also do their diagnostic work and get this thing back on track for you. And so you're, you developed, I know you're part of the team, you've developed the functional movement screen, the functional, which is what, the functional capacity screen. Why is that so important for somebody to do? Because my fear is gray, that somebody you know pays for personal training, they meet with their personal trainer, and then all of a sudden they're sitting there doing a little silly balance test, and it totally gets them off the off the program. But why is it so important to have a trainer do a screen in order to identify any potential issues? I, I separate function and fitness because function is physical competency and awareness. Okay, and so when I want to know your visual competency, I just we look at an eye chart and find out do you have any major problems? Because every other question I'm getting ready to ask you about your eyes is different if you're not 2020. 
And so we don't have a baseline for movement. And when me and my colleagues, chiropractors, athletic trainers, personal trainers, and strength coaches got together, we realized when we got together, we realized there was not a standard operating system for the way people should move. We knew what your ankle should do, your knee should do, your hip should do, and most of the training models and rehab models are built off that same anatomy. But what happens when you put it all together and watch a squat or a lunge? Sometimes we start talking like a kinesiologist and not a movement specialist. So we have sports specialists, we have exercise specialists, but a movement specialist actually comes at it different and looks at movement as a behavior and say, okay, what things change movement perception, what changes movement behavior, because the central nervous system responds very quickly to a good suggestion. And so if you find yourself overcoaching something or you find something getting worse, not better with pain, that's a neurological system putting on a parking brake and saying, I'm not going a bit further. I don't have the competency and where you're pushing me is going to end worse if I do it. So I'm going to compensate. And that's a natural reaction. So to undermine that natural reaction, we step back, take some measurements, take a little bit different approach to exercise and measure the results. And most trainers goes, oh my gosh, now I validated that opinion or now I know I need to do something different. And handing trainers just a series of movement markers to know if you made a change or not is what we thought our contribution should be. And see, that's what I love about me. I've been, I've, it's funny, I was sitting in your lecture today and I've been listening to your lecture, what, almost two decades now. And you've seen you evolve. The, the principles have been the same. You know, your principles have been the same, but what's, what I love about seeing it, Greg, is every year your application is slightly different, or every year, you know, your actual techniques are a little bit different. So the final question I want to ask, you know, in going through all this, why is it so important for consumers to change their mindset? Because for years we focus on chest, on back, on shoulders, but your program is all about teaching patterns. Why is it so important for consumers or for the general, like, fitness public to think about movement patterns as opposed to isolation or muscle isolation? Well... If we go back in the history books, there's some pretty good looking physiques. You can go way back to Greek sculptures. And, <laughs> and somebody created those physiques and they didn't have bicep curls to do it. The best bodies of old were created through patterns. And we make ourselves in the first two years of our life through those movement patterns. And those movement patterns squeeze your weak parts and your weak parts do just fine. But we got pulled off track because between our knowledge of kinesiology and bodybuilding, we thought we could spot build the world's perfect body. And you can do that for form, but if you train function, form usually looks pretty good. If you train form, you can erode function pretty quick. So the biomarker we wanted to follow was function, meaning if you're robbing your inherent mobility, flexibility, stability, balance, to pose or look better, it's not gonna be sustainable, it's not gonna last for long. But when we look at athletes that maintain a good physique, they've been in the gym all their life. They're outside of the gym, but they're golfing, paddleboarding, rock climbing, they're doing things, and nobody's ever looked at a wrestler's or gymnast's body and say, I wonder what they isolate. They've integrated their mechanism beautifully. So functional training is, is basically not anti-isolation. If you've got a problem and it needs to be isolated, a trainer or somebody who can isolate that should get you through that quickly. It shouldn't be, I gotta build my body in stages. Pull, push, hip hinge, squat, those work. 
but using a movement baseline within that works even better because you get a tight feedback loop. And so for, for, if, for listeners that want to get this kind of coaching from a trainer, why is it so important to look for a trainer with a functional movement screen? And do you guys have a website where people can go to find somebody that's been through your education? Yes, uh, functionalmovement.com. All of our information is up there. We've got a boatload of articles, a lot of helpful videos. Uh, we've got two informational courses people can take right now, and I think they're free for a little while. The FMS initial certification is completely online or you can learn it live and usually we tell somebody try to find a mentor in your area that's already doing some screening to help you through those growing pains because we realize movement is about connecting with people and if we teach you online we expect you to get your reps and do your practice bring honor to yourself bring honor to the system we're simply another gauge we're not any better or worse but we can help you make decisions quicker and based on movement who would you rather teach to last one room full of kindergartners or room full of fitness professionals the kindergartners, and I had to say it today because they just follow instructions and don't think too much, and the trainers were trying to outthink the next balance move I was going to throw, and I'm like, just hang in the moment, man. Just hang in the moment. You'll be fine. All right, man. Thanks for your time, Greg. Now, again, I want to you know, apologize or mention the audio. I was catching the speakers at a conference. I was in a convention center. I was grabbing them. It, just that little snippet you heard from Gray. Now, I want you to keep in mind, he taught like a 90-minute workshop. He answered questions probably for 15 or 20 minutes. He was taking photos with people, and he was still able to pop out that great content and that great information. So again, you, you don't have, it's really tough to do that. People are in your face, you're teaching, and then all of a sudden here I come with a microphone and say, hey, you know, do you mind answering a few questions? So again, I really appreciate everything from all the speakers. You guys were so awesome. People really enjoyed your workshops, and I really appreciate everybody's taking the time to speak with me for a couple minutes. The next speaker to hear from is probably one of, I don't want to say, probably one of the most powerful people in fitness that you've never heard of, and that's Chris Poirier. Chris Poirier is the general manager of Perform Better. He's the one that makes this show happen. Chris and Aaron McGurr are the two people that plan these events. They bring them to you. And I want to say a huge thank you, a big thank you to Chris, to Aaron, and the entire Perform Better team. This is probably maybe, I don't know, maybe the sixth or seventh Perform Better event I've been to over the years. And every time I go, top-notch, professional, well-run, speakers are always, you know, very, some of the best speakers in the business. It just is a pleasure. That's why I like going to these events. It's really a chance for me to go recharge my batteries, you know, see some friends, get some new ideas, and just sit and pay attention and learn a little bit for the day. Now, the other thing I like to do, which which I did, is anytime I go to these workshops, I also buy a lot of equipment. So what I was doing was I was there to buy some equipment. I'm getting ready to start coaching youth rugby again. So I was getting some stuff that I'm going to use for training programs. But what you're going to hear from next is you're going to hear from Chris Poirier, the general manager of Perform Better. And if you are ever going to buy any fitness equipment, if you're going to buy a Terracore, if you're going to buy sandbells, whatever you're going to buy, I highly recommend you go to a company like Perform Better because they have a much higher quality product that you can get in most commercial in most commercial sporting goods store. So here we are with Chris, the general manager of Perform Better. How are you doing, Chris? I'm doing great, Pete. Thanks for coming out today. Hey, dude, I, I always, how many years have I been coming to this, dude? I, <laughs> quite, quite a bit. I, I think this, this yeah. is our 12th year here in Long Oh, Beach. 12th year in Long Beach. Well, I'm thinking back to the old TSI yeah. Summit That's years right. ago. But how long have you been doing the, the Perform Better Summit? Summits, we're going into our 20th year. 
20th year. Now, why do you do that? What, what's the benefit of that? You know, education. For us, it's really, it's, we started off as a grassroots following. Um, there's you know, a lot of reasons why we did it. We always sponsored education, so we were always a big believer in sponsoring speakers at different seminars. And we just said, you know, let's, hey, we're, we're bringing speakers in. Let's start our own. Let's bring our own. Let's gather our own group of speakers and, and start to run our own seminars. And so... That was uh, actually the summits were 20 years, but we've been doing one days for uh, it's been 24 years now. And that's pretty, what type of speakers do you bring in? I mean, because I'm here, I, I've been doing fitness a long time, but I come to your events, Chris, because you guys get the best. And, and what type of people and who do you get coming in? We get, you know, basically across three lines. I mean, obviously the attendees that are coming are either, they're either trainers, they're either sports performance coaches, or they're therapists working in rehab or athletic trainers. So we try to get, we try to get topics that will, will relate across the board to all three areas. Um, so what I'm looking for is I'm looking, whenever I look for a presenter, I'm looking for someone that engages the stage, that basically has a great stage presence, um, can keep, keep people entertained, can keep, has great information. You know, um, the hard part is, is every year there's more and more people who have great information. I'm about to say, you've never invited me to speak. Yeah, no, I say, yeah, yeah, you know, I can engage just, the heck out of it. I'm, I'm putting you on the spot. <laughs> no, I know, but there is. That's so true. There's so many people, there's so many really, yeah, really no. good people. And, um, for us, it's, you know, we, we bring back about 85% of the presenters every year. And the reason for that is because a lot of them are new and we try to build them up. So we got to, you know, sometimes it's going to take about two or three years before they become popular. So if we see someone that's really good, um, they have the it factor on stage, we'll try, we'll bring them back and we'll, we'll try to get them out there as much as we can because we know someday that they're going to be really big and they're going to be well, well known. And for listeners, Chris, I, don't, I think it, you, because you're so close to some of these people, I don't think you realize that. For listeners, a lot of the people that Chris has in here are people who've invented products. They're people who've invented systems. Like I spoke earlier with Gray, who created the functional movement screen. Why is that so important to have the creators of the products come to your come to your shows? You know, it's not it's not so much that they're creators of products. Actually, all of them have one thing in common. They all have their own facility. So oh, they either have their okay, own therapy, yeah. they have their own gym, either a sports performance, or they're you know they're they're basically a, a coach. So they're working all in the field. Now, some of them have come up with products just for the fact of, you know, this is looking for what I need. They saw a need and they had a really good mind in the field and came up with something. But, yeah, there's un- it's not that many. You know, there's a couple FMS and like two or three others that have it. But it's really more, you know, most of them have all been customers first. They've been customers started off and, you know, I heard them speak, got to know them a little bit better, heard them speak a little bit more. And then uh, we, you know, gave them a shot on stage. And see, that, that's such a cool thing. What I want listeners to know is you're getting the best of the best. And your equipment, Chris, you, you sell all types of exercise equipment. Why, is it, why would it be better to come to a distributor like you versus going to like a sporting goods store and getting something that's like off the shelf? What's different about the equipment that you sell that people can't get from just going to a sporting goods store? You know, for one week here. You know, we wouldn't be putting on education series if we didn't care. We wouldn't be bringing business minds in here, or guys that are motivating people to, to fire up their business. For me, I want everyone's business to thrive. That's, that's the goal for me. I want everyone in here who comes to our seminars, I want their business to be the best out there. That way, because they're going to be customers. They're going to remember that they came to the seminar, that they learned from these guys. Um, they talked to us while we're there. We could, you know, pretty much do everything. They realize that we're good people. It's a, you know, it's a relationship business, so we can establish a relationship with people here when they're here for three days. So and now, people don't need it. The last thing I want to want to get across for listeners, because you have some of the best fitness education out there, but people don't need to be a trainer to come here, right? Anybody can just come in and learn about fitness. Correct. Yep. And we occasionally, it's funny you say that because every once in a while we'll have 
couple of clients will come of one of the pre presenters or someone that's attending it, they'll bring a couple of their clients to come in just to see what they do. Um, I think that's pretty cool when they do it. Unfortunately, we don't get many lay people off the street or just general fitness enthusiasts. Um, and, and some of the education may be a little over their head, but it's, it's, they're all welcome. The hands-ons are always perfect for them. Um, I do know the ones that have come with the clients that have come you know, with their trainer um, have really enjoyed it, and they keep coming back. And that's cool. And so, people, if you want to see what your trainer's learning and how to get the best exercise, I highly recommend a Perform Better conference. Where can they get the information? Where do they go to find out about these summits? Performbetter.com is the easiest place to do it. The very first page of it talks, and there's a, you know, a scrolling thing that in one of the three scrolling things is our seminars. So they can go right into the seminar page, and through that, they'll see all the different series of seminars we do, whether it's the you know, NFBA business ones, whether it's our one days, whether it's our ones we host at our facility up in, in Rhode Island, or it's the three-day summits. All right, great, man. Hey, Chris, thanks for your time, and thanks for putting on the summit. Thanks, Pete. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Now, it should be noted, I was giving Chris a little bit of a hard time for not having me as a speaker, but what he gets, he Chris has speakers that perform better. Most of the people who perform better are people that own their own studios or coach high-level teams, or they develop, they develop a system like the functional movement screen like Gray has. They develop pieces of equipment, and what they're doing is they're showing people or they're, they're sharing the science behind the training technique used by the equipment. And what I mean by that is one of the uh, one of the speakers there was a gentleman by the name of Josh Hankin. I don't know Josh. I've bumped into him a few times. But Josh has developed a really cool training tool called, called the Ultimate Sandbag. And so Josh was there with the Ultimate Sandbag teaching, I think it's DVRT, Dynamic Variable Resistance Training. So that's one of the cool things that you get at a conference like this or at a summit like this is you get somebody who's created a product showing you how that product should be used and talking about the science behind why they created that product. To me, that's really cool. That's that's kind of peeking behind the curtain. Now, and then finally, too, is that, that Chris brings in speakers who are doing this. They have their own studios. You know, guys like Mike Boyle. Mike Boyle has Mike Boyle's Strength and Condition in Boston. Todd Durkin has Fitness Quest 10. You know, Greg Cook sees people out of his, uh, his uh, clinic down in Southern Virginia. So, you know, they're bringing in people who are not only know the information, but are hands-on so they have that experience of what they're doing. Now I just need to go out and coach some uh, professional athletes, and I guess uh, I'll be waiting. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, but it really is the last speaker that you're going to hear from. It's not a speaker. Like I said, Dan McDonough was attending the conference just like I was. Recently, you heard from Dan. I interviewed Dan as part of the Idea World um, wrap-up. Dan was speaking at Idea World. He was there teaching sessions for Under Armour. Dan works a lot with Under Armour High Performance. In the conversation, though, we talk a little bit about why we attend workshops like Perform Better. But two, I kind of caught Dan. I wanted to talk to Dan about his travel tips. Dan and I both travel tens of thousands, more than 100,000 miles a year teaching fitness workshops. And it's kind of interesting because we have some of the similar approaches to staying fit on the road. So here we are with Dan McDonough from Under Armour. And it's funny because the last time I did one of these live shows, I was coming to you from Idea World and I caught up with my buddy Dan McDonough. Last time, Dan and I were both speaking at an event, but this time, what are we doing here, Dan? Yeah, we are on the other side of education, which is, uh, which is um, both uh, invigorating, enlightening, but somewhat uncomfortable. It, well, the reason, well, actually, why would you say I'm comfortable? Because this takes me back to when yeah. I was a trainer. When, yeah. I was, when I was just, you know, I don't want to say just, but I was yeah. a trainer before I got an education. I used to come to these events, and these guys were rock stars to me. Yeah, you know what I mean? Because yeah. this is where you came to fill your brain. Yeah. So now when you come back here, what, like, how important is it for you to kind of sit down and just open your mind and open your ears for a little well, bit? Well, that's the thing when I talk about being uncomfortable, right? I think 
think you and I have been on the other side of delivering education, creating education. Sometimes we get we get stuck in our own little world, but we have to be, right? Yeah. Because we've got a certain topic or a certain theme that we're creating education around. We have our our strengths that we, we, we gravitate towards and we kind of sit there for a long period of time. And I always say, you know, in between my sessions at ID, when I'm not presenting, I'm gonna go check out a session, but it never happens. I never get to put myself in that situation where I'm completely open to just trying to suck in as much knowledge as I possibly can. And I think at this point in my career, 48, I'm, I'm actually in this interesting place where I'm kind of feeling a bit lost because I don't know what my next step is going to be. Well, and, and, and we were just talking about that, and yeah. for listeners, you know, for years, you know, Dan and I are both no, fitness educators, and for years, fitness education was led by people who were like the video stars, people that had VHSs, people that had DVDs, yeah. Yeah. and now, I mean, we're just talking, there seems to be a shift. There's going to be a shift in the next few years where our generation of educators, yeah. unless we're major social media influencers, yeah. our generation of influencers is now relatively obsolete. Is that kind of what's been yeah, kind I of mean, on your mind? Yeah, no, absolutely it is. And, and I'm starting to notice a trend, especially at these bigger conventions, and, and I hate to say it, but numbers seem to be going down. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah. And it was interesting, someone asked me if, if <laughs> I heard this, uh, someone asked me this question at idea saying, so is there a, a fitness convention for just millennials, where the entire crowd is just millennials. And I'm like, that was a very odd question. I said, I, I've never seen it. I don't think it exists, but it's a very interesting question. You know, you start to see, you, know, you start to see these, you know, these boutique summits happening. You yeah. know, a boutique facility, and, and so people are now now we're going to these, these little niche kind of uh, summits or weekends of education. Uh, to learn, and, uh, and I'm having a hard time keeping up with it. So uh, you know, I'm starting to ask myself, how can we use the power of social media to to deliver great content? And you know, we can sit here all day long and say, you know, the content that's being put out on social media is good news or bad news. Who knows? The reality is, people are going there to be educated. So either we embrace it and we get on board and find a way to use it, or we might be left behind. <laughs> and you know, that's an interesting thing because so many people, I mean, the general consumers out there, they need they need fitness information. They Absolutely. want to know, they need to know what to do. And the guys like you and I, we've been doing this for years. Yep. We have, you know, we have the expert expertise yep. and the experience and, yep. and we take the time and do the research. Yep. What's amazing to me is how people will look to somebody that's on like an Instagram or on a YouTube yep. and just on appearance alone. Absolutely. Give them the instant credibility. Does that make you concerned at all? Absolutely, it does. And why would that make you concerned? Well, just, just based on exactly what you just said. But the reality is, is that the general consumer who's watching these people, they don't know what they don't know. Yeah. They see a number of followers. They've been authenticated because they got the blue check mark beside their name, and all of a sudden, because they're authentic influencers, they must know right from wrong. But the reality is, is we know more often than not, they don't. So based on appearance, based on followers. Um, you, you know, we we just kind of shake our heads and cringe. So, but, you know, but how how can we embrace that, right? How can yeah. we use the world that we know is working, that people are consuming content, and how can we either partner ourselves with people who have influence and, and help educate them and, and help them spread our message, whether it's a, a product or a brand or whatever it might be. You know, I had a situation this year where you know we worked with someone who had major influence and. and and they were chosen based on the amount of followers they had and a certain look. And this person moved really well.
well, yeah. but none of their content was ever coached. But then you uh, put them in front of camera and you try and get them to speak on how to coach someone a movement, and they froze. They didn't know what to do. Dan, I had somebody tell me that they, that they wanted, that they didn't care about teaching classes or training clients. Yeah. They just wanted to get on Instagram and sell programs. Wow. And it's like, yeah, yeah I mean, it's like you gotta be, you gotta have your your feet in the dirt. Absolutely. You gotta be in the dirt teaching and coaching yeah. because you can do, you can look phenomenal yeah. in one minute clips. Yeah. But if you can't coach somebody, if Absolutely. you can't teach somebody how to move. Absolutely. I mean, how much yeah. of an edema? And, yeah. and on that note, let's shift gears a little yeah. bit. Absolutely. Because you and I are the same age. We're late 40s. Yes. I'm yeah. about to turn 47, and you're yeah. about to, you just said you're 48. 48, yeah. How have you changed it? How has your approach to fitness changed as we've gotten later into our 40s? That's, that's a great question. I think, you know, for me, um, yeah, that's, that's a great question, Pete. You know, for me, it's more about trying to do less better. Um, I, you know, just for my own fitness, for me, I'm just, you know, just focusing on, on, on mobility and stability and being able to do the things I love to do on a daily basis, free of pain. Yeah, well, I'm going to yeah. pause for yeah. one second because yeah. I'm just sitting there thinking for, yeah. I'm trying to do less better. Yeah. I love that. Hey, yeah. You know, can go a little bit deeper, especially yeah. when it comes to mobility. Yeah. Why do, why would you want to focus on, on doing a, a better job? of less movement or, or a less volume of less exercise. Yeah, because I mean, you're based on the job that I have, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm traveling a lot, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting at a desk a lot, I'm sitting in airplanes a lot, and when I get on the ground, I have a job to do. So, you know, I want to be able to do my job to, you know, to be able to, to fill the demands of work. I want to be able to have the durability to, to make it through the year based on the travel schedule that I want to have. And then I know when I get a day off, I want to jump on my bike and be able to ride 30, 35, or 40 miles, right? Yeah. So I want to keep myself as durable as possible to A, to do my job. But then when I get home, I'm able to do the things I love to do. And that's that's just my focus, yeah. you know? And, and so just the, the power of being able to move well and move better, I think is what everyone is craving at the end of the day. And now, you and I have crossed paths at a number of different events, both in the yeah. States and internationally. Yeah. What's your go-to, when you're on the road traveling, yeah. what, what are kind of your go-to strategies for how you manage, like, do you, do you do, like, a lot of exercise on the road? Yeah. Or what are your, kind of your strategies if you're doing, like, a, a, like a, say, a 10-day trip to Asia? Yeah, that, well, how yeah. do you kind of structure yeah. your, your workouts yeah. well, to, to well, stay fit? There's my go-to tools that I always travel with. Yeah. I always travel with my suspension trainer. Okay. Two pounds, I can hang it on the my TRX, yeah. The TRX, yeah. yeah. And, and, and I'm always traveling with some sort of, of, of foam roller, okay. right? some sort of vibrating sphere, something that's really small that I can travel with that sometimes I'll use on a plane. If yeah, I'm but if a vibrating sphere goes off on the plane. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. What's going on here? Exactly. What's this you're bringing? Because uh, many people might recognize that sound, but not think stretch or mobility tool. Exactly. Yeah, so, you know, the, I mean, you know, if I know I'm got a, a seven to ten day trip yeah. and I know I'm going to be hitting the road hard, I'll try and get you know I'll try and ramp up my, my training volume just a bit before I go and then know if I I'll be okay if I take two or three days off right. So I try and you know for lack of a better word kind of periodize my work and my exercise right. If I'm only going for a couple of days, then I know I get my workouts in. For instance, you know. I'm an Under Armour, and headquarters is in Baltimore. So when I get off the plane, the first thing I do is go into the hotel and I hit the gym. So I just move. Yes. The first thing I do is I try and seek light wherever I go, and I just try and move, get on the time zone, and I try and not be too hard on myself if I go two or three days without doing something. Because generally, when I'm on the road, like you and I, we're educating, we're moving a little bit. So I'm kind of getting my exercise 
through demonstrating movement or coaching movement. So, you know, I try not overload that, knowing that I still need to be able to Well, and being in front of an audience, you kind of, your stress level is a little bit higher. Absolutely. And, you know, I, one day I kept my watch on all day just to see what my caloric yeah. burn was just yeah. from teaching. I think I was doing like two or three sessions at yeah. a conference. Yeah. Nothing like insane, yeah. but I was amazed at, you know, what my stress load yeah. was. Yeah. And it's so funny because for listeners, you couldn't see me smile. Yeah. But when you said that I overreach, I'll do that too. If I'm doing yeah. a three or four day trip, yeah. I will overreach the week before. Yeah. And, and for listeners, overreaching is you do a little higher volume. Yeah. You overstress the system yeah. so you can take a few days off and Absolutely. recover. And that's exactly, it's funny you said that, that I do the exact same thing. Yeah. If I'm only doing a three or four trip, yep. I jack it out really hard. Mm-hmm. And then that way, during that three or four day trip, I only feel I need to move like exercise maybe one day. Yep. The other two or three days I move. I just Absolutely. mobility, I walk, I am yep. on my feet. And that's a great point, right? Can you, you know, if we're, can you walk to work wherever you may be or whatever yeah. country, whatever city after, after you, you can go for a walk after yeah. work and not feel, and sometimes I'll try and get these you know, really quick micro workouts in, yeah. right? I'll crank up, you know, you know, push-ups or squats or whatever I can. I'll try and get like 10 on the hour, every hour, wherever yeah. I may be. So, you know, I try and get it in, but I just may space it out a little bit. Yeah. And it's just, well, it's understanding. And I think, you know, reason why I ask you that is I think a lot of my listeners probably travel for work as yep. well yep. and it's just it's having that thought process of what to do ahead of time mm-hmm. like how you plan ahead of time so you mentioned that you, you travel with the, the vibrating thing you, yep. you travel with uh, what was it, uh, the TRX the suspension yep. trainer yep. anything else that you do like any other little tips hacks for, for fit travel that you might want to share yeah that's um, you know I think if you're traveling time zones even if you're going kind of west coast to east coast right obviously you want to try and get on the time zone as quickly as you can yeah you know, you know if you've been on an airplane for four or five hours you know, seek light right away, move. If you've been sitting down for four or five hours, go for a walk. The tendency is to go to the hotel, sit down, have dinner, grab a beer. And I'm not saying I don't ever do that, <laughs> but I try and move yeah. first, yeah. right? And, and movement is incredibly powerful, you yeah. know, and, and especially when I wake up first thing in the morning, I have my routine, I seek light, I take in a little bit of hydration because I'm dehydrated from the night, and then I'll get up and I'll just move a little bit, whatever it may be. And, and you know, for me, I'm always very cognizant of, of making sure I'm booking my travel and staying at hotels that have gyms. Yeah, that's right. that's another key thing. When I book my own yeah. hotels, yeah. I always look for, you yeah. know, make sure they have some kind yeah. of facility. Yeah. Or, and this is fun, you know, I love looking like for outdoor parks and outdoor Absolutely. like rec areas. Yeah. Do you do that too? Do you take oh, your straps yeah. out and Absolutely. go look for? Yeah. They're always in my backpack. And, uh, and I think people think they have to do a lot when they're on the road to stay in yeah. shape. Just, just get in 20 to 30 minutes. Focus on I'll maybe try and get 15. Next thing you feel good, next thing is 20 minutes, I'll do a couple more of this. The next thing you might get 30 minutes in. So focus on a short period of time that's achievable for you, yeah. and then maybe you might get 10 or 15, because sometimes at the end of the day in a business trip, you're really tired, and the last thing yeah. you wanna do is hit the gym. But I guarantee you, if you go to the gym, even to just move for 10 or 15 minutes, you will not regret making that Never, I, ne- I can't tell you how many times I've been like fatigued, yeah. but all I do, I just go in there and start moving. It's like, yeah. next, just like you said, you're in there half an hour. Finally, you work for Under Armour. Correct. Do you ever travel? Because when I go to Asia, yep. when I'm doing like a 10, 12 hour flight, yep. I wear compression pants. Do you ever travel with oh, compression? Like, do you wear your compression clothing? Absolutely. And so what's, like the benefit, yeah, what's the benefit of that? Yeah. yeah. Well, for me, just pooling of the blood in the lower body, yeah. for sure. Um, I don't have a major, some people get major swelling of the feet. Fortunately, I don't do that. Yeah. But just, I mean, I'm wearing, I'm wearing knee high compression, medical grade compression socks, not, not just high basketball socks, right? There's compression socks and there's medical grade ones that you can get. They're definitely more expensive, yeah. um, but it's certainly worth it. 
you know, and I'm making sure that if I got a long haul flight, I'm, I'm getting up and walking around, doing some mobility in the kitchen areas. And yeah. some people think I look really strange for doing. Oh, I've done the laps on the 787. Absolutely. I know how to do laps around this. Well, that's side. A great. Walk up, down one side, come yeah. back down, just move and then sit down again. Right? Yeah, that's okay. Um, so yeah, make sure I'm hydrating. Make sure I'm wearing compression. As soon as I get off the plane, I move. I seek light wherever that may be, and that's uh, you know I travel with you know my own my own nutrition. More often than not now, because planes are getting better with the food that they serve. I've certainly yeah. noticed a difference now, but more often than not, I'm planning ahead. Yeah. You know, traveling with my protein bars. I'm traveling sometimes with my own, you know, uh, uh, oatmeal. just got to pour horrible hot water into, and that's my breakfast if I'm doing an overnight flight. So I'm just, I, I'm taking, I'm, I, I think about that more often than, than not than what I did in the past. And when we were younger, we thought we were invincible. We didn't yeah. care about that as much, right? But now knowing that I need to perform when I get there, and I'm almost 50, right? You, know, you got to do things differently yeah. to make sure you've got that energy. And, and on that thing, last thing. So for listeners, Dan and I, a long time ago when I met him, we connected because I used to race BMX. Yeah. And Dan, what movie were you in? Rad, baby. <laughs> 1986. Hey, what, so you raced BMX too, right? Yes. For, for how many? How long? Well, that was more kind of ground ground tricks and half pipes. Okay. Actually, ah, okay. BMX. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was a cult classic back in 86. Oh, it was, it was just fantastic. So. Not long ago, I was on a, I was on a plane. The guy sitting next to me was a global brand manager from Haro. Wow! I now fantastic. know. My, I own a Haro now. My two kids own Haro. That's amazing. But I've been learning how to ride skate parks. That's fantastic. And, and dude, I have to say, I'm both my shoulders are jacked right now yeah. from falls. Yeah. But I've been thinking about you because yeah. it's like yeah. I'm trying. To, I'm on a BMX bike again for the first time in 30 years. Yeah. That's amazing. And it's it's fun. Yeah. You know, but I'm just kind of like there's definitely I definitely have a, a long learning curve ahead of me. Yeah. But I can't tell you. I mean, I grew up on the East Coast. Yeah. Always want to ride the California skate parks. Yeah. It is so much fun now. I'll go out early in the morning, follow yeah. other kids, get there, and I'm not doing anything gnarly. Well, every Tuesday night at Huntington Beach. Oh yeah, the, the wheel ride. Any fuel up yeah. at Rio, they're all there. Crew they're all Joe, doing the wheel Bill ride. Allen, they're all there down there. Yeah. They're all down there just uh, just cranking it out. So yeah, yeah, awesome to be here. And especially they have a new pump track here. Eddie Fiola Ooh, goes there. Eddie Fiola goes there on uh, Sunday mornings. Oh, that's Dude, awesome. Dan McDonough, how can people follow you and get more information? Because you oh. are you're one of my favorite guys when oh, I see you on the goodness. on the road. And you always you're, you're freaking hella smart. And you put out hella good stuff. Oh, well, I appreciate. How that, can people Pete. follow yeah. get and more good, information? Same to you, bro. Same to you. Well, I mean, you. on 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 Instagram, it's ua underscore dan. That's kind of my my business professional one. And then from rad mophead underscore boy. That's kind of my personal. <laughs> Kind of two Instagram stuff, so stuff that relates to kind of health and fitness and so forth. You can go to UA underscore Dan, just stuff where I'm, you know, riding my bike or walking my dog Bo, whatever it may be, or feeding him puppuccinos from Starbucks. That's on my personal, kind of my personal page. So yeah. So first of all, I'm very aware that the sound quality there was touch and go. I was with a portable recorder just trying to catch these guys um, at a convention center. So thank you for bearing with me. Now, if you want to learn more about fitness, if you want to learn more about exercise, and specifically, if you want to learn more about the types of exercise that can slow down the aging process for real, if you want to learn about the types of exercise that can slow down the aging process and help you enhance the quality of life, check below in the show notes for my book, Smarter Workouts, The Science of Exercise Made Simple. I've taken my years and years of teaching personal trainers and put that in a book to help you learn how to use exercise properly. And I mean it. What I said to Dan is absolutely true. When I was training full-time, I used to go to these conferences. When I was a trainer in D.C., I used to go to these conferences anytime they're within about 100, 150 miles of D.C. I'd even travel up to, to uh, New York once or twice a year. I'd travel down to Miami once a year. Because, I mean, learning this stuff, 
I love learning about fitness. I love learning about exercise science. I love learning about how exercise changes the human body. We're always looking at things differently, and there's always a slightly different way to do something. You know, just because we're doing something now that works doesn't mean we can't do something down the road that might be more efficient, that might lead to better results with a lower risk of injury. That's why these conferences are so important. So when I was a trainer, I would go to these workshops. These guys were rock stars to me. The fact now that I'm buddies with with somebody like Greg Cook, you know, blows my mind. That means I've, I don't know if I've achieved something or I've just kept stalking them over the years. Either way, <laughs> either way, it's been fun to do that. If you're a trainer and you're going to these workshops, you're going to these conferences, take the time, introduce yourself to the speakers. That's how I got to network and how I got to meet a lot of these people and become friends with them over the years. I've gotten to know, like I said, I went to Chris's conferences almost 20 years ago when he was doing them with Town Sports International, my former employer. I've seen Greg Cook teach now since the early 2000s when I got Athletic Body and Balance, his first book. And if you want to get, if you want to understand movement, well, that's the title of one book, one of the greatest books is movement. So going to these conferences and hearing these speakers is a way for someone like me to recharge. And they're different people. People go to these conferences for different reasons. All trainers, all strength coaches need continuing education credits to maintain our credential. Now, some, some people like myself, I'll go to these conferences because I'm a geek. I want to learn something new. I want to see what the best in the industry are doing, and I want to learn from them. Other people go to these conferences because they look and go, oh my goodness, my certification is about to expire. I need 20 CECs. This is the closest thing going. Hopefully those people learn a little something out of it too. You know, and, and for listeners, if you're not a fitness professional, I would highly recommend if you want to learn more about this, if you love working out, if you want to know about the best types of exercise that you should be doing, take the time to attend one of these conferences. You know, they're not that expensive. You can get a lot out of them and you might be swimming up river a little bit. But hey, I guarantee you, you're going to meet some really cool people and you're going to learn a couple new things about exercise that you did not know before. So by and I, I, to tell the truth, I mean, so a buddy of mine, Derek, and, and Derek, if he's listening to the podcast, I love you, man. Long time. I hope you're doing well. But a buddy of mine, Derek, used to take my class and Derek was an attorney. And there's, I told him about athletes' performance. Athletes' performance is now Exos. Exos trains the top-level athletes in almost any sport. Well, at one point, athletes' performance had an executive-level program. And so what I told Derek, I was like, hey, Derek, man, did you, he was a golfer. And I said, did you know you could go to athletes' performance and train like one of the pros? Well, he did. <laughs> and I have to tell you, man, Derek loved that. He came back to me. He goes, Pete, that was the best time of my life because he realized that he got to train with some of the top professional athletes. And more importantly for me, he realized a lot of stuff that we were doing in the workouts and a lot of stuff that we're doing in the, in the classes, my classes you attend with me. He realized that I was doing the stuff with him that a lot of the top professional athletes were doing. So I highly recommend that. That's one of the reasons why I like these education courses. I tell my clients I train them like the professionals. And I mean that. I want to train my clients like a professional athletes because if an exercise method, if there's an exercise research or an exercise strategy that's good enough for somebody making tens of millions of dollars playing a sport, well, gosh darn it, it's good enough for my client who wants to feel better, maybe lose a couple pounds, and just be more comfortable in their own body. On this episode of All About Fitness, it was a fun trip to bring it to you, the Perform Better Functional Training Summit live from Long Beach. If you ever get a chance to go to a Perform Better workshop, I highly recommend it. www.performbetter.com. Thanks for stopping by this episode, and I look forward to having you join me for future episodes of All About Fitness. All About Fitness.